All right, we're going to have a little bit different of an order of service tonight. I'm going to do something that I don't think we've ever done here at People's Baptist, but we're just going to have a night of preaching. So we're not going to have any singing whatsoever. So take your Bible and look in 2 Timothy. We're not even going to take up an offering tonight. I'll probably shock y'all, but that'll be all right. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I just want to preach. Praise God, this is not a Baptist church. <laughs> People are giving money anyway. That's all right. Second Timothy chapter 2, got a real simple message for you tonight, I think. And uh, let you get out early, maybe. We'll see. All right. All right, let me encourage you to be faithful. Be faithful to church. Those of you that are listening, I know you got stuff going on with work and whatnot, but let me encourage you to be faithful and be in church every time the door is open. Uh, we've got very, very lax here at the church with attendance, and that uh, I know folks have got business going on and all that stuff, but uh, that's going to that's gonna catch up with you. That is eventually going to get you, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to really, really hurt you. So you need to be in church every time the door is open. The Bible says, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more, not less, not less. So much the more. You say, how often should I be in church? Every time we have a church service, you should be in church. Every time. So you need to be here. You need to be here. You say, well, church is boring. Well, then get right with God and it'll be fun. Amen. Amen. That's, that's the way that kind of stuff works. And you can blame it on a preacher. You can blame it on whoever you want to blame it on. You can blame it on your fellow church members. And you can blame it on we ain't got this and we ain't got that. But at the end of the day, if you don't enjoy church, then... Uh, what, let me back up and let me reestablish this. What church is supposed to be built on is preaching. I was so encouraged. I was so encouraged last night. Brother Mike sent me a, uh, a text message with a link to Jack Howe's preaching. And it was a message called, uh, The Young Men Shouted While the Old Men Wept. Have you heard that? You've heard that? Boy, I was, I was so encouraged by that message, and it basically it was a message of how it rejected, how the old men reject this newfangled garbage, and I encourage you to go listen to it, and I really, really got a blessing out of it, uh, but anyways, uh, what church is supposed to be built on is preaching, preaching. We, we do a lot of stuff around here at the church. We have fellowships, and we do, uh, you know, I say we do a lot around here. We, we have fellowships. We uh, have concessions stand, and I'm not against having things with the youth group or, you know, how, whoever the youth group is. There's all kinds of little people in here, but uh, I'm not against that stuff, but the church is supposed to be built on preaching. It's supposed to be built on God's Word. God chose the foolishness of preaching. Now, you might choose something else, but God picked preaching, and I really don't care what you like. I care what God likes, and so you say, well, I just... I. You know, people say this, they get into this mentality of, well, you know, I, I really just want to find a church where I fit and where my kids can, can have a good time and all that stuff. You pick, you're picking the wrong thing for a church. You don't, you don't pick a church based on any of that garbage. You pick a church based on its preaching. Amen. You pick a church based on its preaching. And if you, if you got a problem with the preaching, then, man, you've really got a problem. So, 
So anyway, so I figured we'd just tonight, we'd, we'd have just preaching. Amen. Amen. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 2, let's look here in verse 15. The Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. All right, Lord, help us tonight, God. Lord, I really do believe, God, this is a simple sermon. Lord, I really do believe it's such a simple sermon and God, sometimes, Lord, I underestimate, God, Lord, how the, the simplicity of things. But, Lord, I know, God, Lord, that you used a simple little boy when dealing with Goliath and you used just a simple little weapon, God, something that was really, uh, Lord, really, I suppose, is a form of recreation, God, maybe for some young lads in here, God. But, Lord, you took what that little boy had, God, and you used him, you used what he had, and God wrought a great victory. And so, God, tonight, Lord, as I stand here, Lord, look at an insignificant message. Lord, I pray that you'd use it, God, for your glory and honor. And, Lord, I, I don't want to insult it because, Lord, I believe you gave it to me. And I, pray, I, I believe you impressed it upon my heart. And so, God, I want to trust you tonight and just pray that, Lord, you'd have your willing way. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, he says, Study. Study. I guess if you could call this sermon something, you call it study with an exclamation mark. That means study, study, study to show thyself approved unto God. The Bible says, it says, the heart of the righteous studieth. That's what he's supposed to do. That's what he does do. Uh, you know, what you are in your heart is going to come out. It's going to come out in the way that you live. It's going to come out in the way that you talk. And that should be a dead giveaway about uh, what, what's in the heart of a lot of people. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And what's in a lot of people's heart is just trash. It's just garbage. It's just filth. Amen. You say, how do you know? Because that's what they like to talk about. That's what they enjoy dwelling on. But the Bible says that the heart of the righteous studies the answer. The Bible also says along these same lines talking about God, it says the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. He loves, he loves righteous things. God doesn't like anything that's foul. He doesn't like anything that's unclean. He doesn't like Hollywood. Amen. He, he, doesn't like, he doesn't like it when you lay out of church. He doesn't like it when you don't give like you're supposed to. He doesn't like it when you don't get involved like you're supposed to. The righteous Lord loveth righteousness. Your family might like beer and they might like marijuana and they might like cocaine, but God likes righteousness. And by the way, his preachers should like righteousness. His, his church should like righteousness. His local church should like righteousness. God just likes righteousness. The righteous Lord loveth righteousness. You say, why? Because he's righteous. God is narrow-minded. Did you know that? He's so narrow-minded. He is. He's so narrow-minded that if he sees anything other than something that's right, you get that out of your husband. And boy, that makes your blood boil, don't, you? don't it? I can't stand a man who acts like he knows everything. Well, that's what you're dealing with with the Lord. You're dealing with somebody that knows everything. And he leaves no room for you to squeeze around and say, well, this is the way that I think it should be or this is the way I believe it to be. And so the Bible says, all of that to say, the Bible says, the heart of the righteous studieth the answer. That's why you're supposed to study. If you want to like what God likes, you know, there's a point to studying. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But there's a point to studying. And the point of studying is not just so that you know a lot of stuff. The point to studying is so that you can be righteous. Amen. 
Which that should indicate, that should indicate right there whether or not you're connected with the right doctrine, with your, whether or not you're connected with the truth or not. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll hit this here in just a second. But if the, if the thing that you're believing doesn't lead to a place of righteousness, it should, it should produce a big question mark in your mind. Amen. Amen. Study, study to show thyself approved. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 17, let me turn over there, Acts chapter 17 talks about some folks that did study in the book of Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, verse 10, the Bible said, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. Why did they do that? Because there were some reprobates down in Thessalonica who didn't want to have nothing to do with the truth. And so they started putting Paul and, si uh, Paul and uh, uh, Silas under uh, persecution. They started uh, giving them a hard time, and so they left. Did you know that? Did you know that's what happens when, 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 when somebody preaches the truth or say, somebody says something that's true and somebody comes along and gives them a hard time? You know what you do in a situation like that? You leave. That's right. Brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming hither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Did you know that some people are not ready to receive the truth? The Lord said, I've got many things to say unto you, but you can't bear it. I, I, let me be carnal for just a second. There was an old movie with Jack Nicholson in it. He said, you can't handle the truth. You remember that statement? Well, we could say that in church, and that'd be true of a lot of Christians. They just they can't handle it. You can't handle it. I've got many things to say to you. Paul said, man, I wish I could talk to you as though you were spiritual. He said, but I can't because you're carnal. The problem with a lot of folks is not that they have an intellectual uh, handicap, although that may be true. You, some folks in here might have an intellectual handicap, but I don't know about that. I, I just really don't know. But that's not the problem with a lot of folks. A lot of the folks got a moral handicap. That's what's going on. And so when they receive the word, they don't receive it with readiness of mind. What these folks did, they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. What Paul and Silas told them, they took it back and went back to the scriptures and began to search. They began to look for it. They began to really put their heart and their effort into trying figuring out whether or not Paul and Silas were saying the right thing. In the book of Proverbs, he tells you the right attitude towards looking for the truth as far as having a desire to have wisdom and understanding. He said, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou searchest her as silver and searchest for her as hid treasure. You know what he's saying? He said, You should look for the truth like you're looking for your paycheck. I wonder why. I wonder why the church house gets so empty on Wednesday night. I guess somebody's looking for a paycheck more than you looking for the truth. That, that's the way it is. I mean, that, that's just, well, Brother Nathan, a man's got to eat. Yeah, a man's got to be right with the Lord, though. <clears throat> I, I 
got a little tight in here, so let me just take a recess here for just a second and just say this. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 says, if you'll take care of God's business, God will take care of yours. That's what Matthew chapter. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things be added unto you. You say, what things? Clothes, food, raiment. Take care of God's business first. Take care of God's business first. God will take care of yours. Brother Nathan, if a man don't provide for his own, he's worse than an infidel. That's true. I encourage you to labor. I encourage you to work. It's true. But you're supposed to be worried about God's affairs, ain't you? I think, I think that's the right way. Cry, well, I'll tell you what. Next time, next time you open God's book, tomorrow morning or maybe tomorrow evening or maybe tonight when you get down to your house, why don't you start crying out to God for some understanding and for some knowledge the same way you go down there and cry to your employer for a paycheck? Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why there's confusion in your mind. Maybe that's why there's some hesitance. Maybe that, that's why there's some confounding going on. God told Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah, he said, if you fear their faces, he said, I will, I, I, not the devil, not some preacher. God said, I will confound you before their faces. God said, you get ready to open your mouth and try to preach something. If you're scared of them, old reprobates, Bunch of idolaters is what they was and who he was preaching to. Scallywags. I don't know if that's a bad word or not. I hope that's not a British cuss word or something. Uh, in British, they say, they say some strange things. But he gets down there and he begins to preach to them folks. And God says, don't you be afraid of them. Now you set your face like a flint. Mailman ain't got no right. To change the letter. God said, you get down there and you give them my message. And we'll just leave it at that. Brother Nathan, I really think you're missing the mark in some of the stuff that you're preaching. It don't make no difference what you think. Brother Nathan, I think you're wrong in the way that you're approaching things and how you should really be nice to people when you preach. That's why you're not preaching. This nice stuff just don't get the job done. Just don't get the job done. But I tell you what, you give me about 50 years, 60 years, might not even take that long. God might take me out tomorrow. But you give me about 50 or 60 years, and you can come up here and you can pastor. But until then, I'm going to do it the way God wants me to do it. That's the only options I got. That's the, that's the only way I can do it. My life's on the line. My family's life is on the line. Did you know that? Sure is. Sure is. My, where's that at in the Scripture? Well, open it up and read. You'll find it. Sure, but we're not talking about the preacher. We're talking about you. We're talking about you understanding. It's wonderful that a preacher might understand some things, but it's better, it's better if you understand some things, if you're able to open God's book and see in God's book what needs to, to be understood. Look over in John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Old John. The beloved apostle, the, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. That would be a great title to have about yourself. I'm the guy that Jesus loved. Boy, <laughs> that's a pretty inflated view of yourself, John. But it's true. It's true. Did you know that Jesus played favorites? 
See, I've got all this time to preach, and I'm going to just fill it up with preaching. We didn't have no singing. We didn't take up no offering. See, you didn't put it. Only the young kids put something in the plate. So I'm going to preach extra hard tonight. Amen. You didn't take up an offering. Well, they're there. But anyways, did you know that Jesus plays favorites? Oh, Jesus plays favorites. Jesus went out of his way to go see Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He didn't do that with too many other people. Sure, sure. I know, I know. You're used to the God that loves everybody, even your faggot cousins. Come on, come on. Just, we'll love you. We'll accept you any way you are. That's not God. That's not God. That's not the way that God looks at things. Look here in John chapter 5. My feeler is broke. I'm going to just be honest with you. My feeler is broke. Y'all pray for me. So if it's tight in here, I can't hardly tell. I just, all, all I know is what I'm supposed to be preaching. So John chapter 5, verse 36, he said, But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish the, work, the same works that I, that I do bear witness of me. The Father has sent me, and the Father himself which has sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent him ye believe not. And then he turns around and he says, Search the scriptures. Search them. Search them. Search the scriptures. You ever lost your keys? I am constantly losing things. And what makes it so bad is that I lose them in plain sight and I do not slow down long enough to see it sitting right in front of my face. And then I get, that was the wrong place to amen. <laughs> Keep amening. I, I was kidding. I was just kidding. <laughs> but I sit there, I sit there and because I can't find it, the worse I, the more I can't find it, the madder I get. And it's just a snowball. The matter I get, the, the less time that I feel like I have. Where is this? Heidi comes in there and says, they're right here. Oh. Go find a hole somewhere, bury your head in the sand. That's searching. That's searching. That's not a good job searching, but it's searching. Well, here he says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Did you know that when you look in the Bible, what you're going to find is Jesus Christ? And what you're going to find is Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot of other stuff that you can find in there. There sure is. But what the main subject of the Scripture is, is the Lord Jesus Christ, the lovely Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Did you know that in the Old Testament, a lot of those, uh, any of those fellows had no idea. They had no idea about Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Nobody had any clue about Jesus Christ. They knew about a Messiah but they didn't know about Jesus Christ. The name Jesus Christ doesn't show up until Matthew chapter 1. The Father's name is Jesus. Horse manure. Oh, why did it get so quiet there? But that's okay. Again, my feelers broke. The Father's name is Jehovah. The book of Psalms says his name is Yah, Jah, J-A-H. Well, see, if, if you study his scripture, you might find that out. The, the son's name, the son's name is the word of God. When he was born as a man, he got the name Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus means? 
Jehovah saves. Makes sense to me. Well, lo and behold, when he comes back at the second advent, he's not called Jesus no more. It's still Jesus, but he's not called Jesus no more. He called the Word of God. I guess he's coming for a different purpose at the second advent. He's not coming to save nobody. He's coming to wipe somebody out. He's coming to stomp on his enemies, according to the book of Revelation. He's not, he's not coming to be buddies. He did the first time. I say he, came, he didn't come to be buddies, but he came to save. He's not coming to save nobody. At, well, I take that back. He's coming to save the nation of Israel out of the predicament that they're in for rejecting him the first time. Yeah, man, that's true. That's true. But search the scriptures. They are they which testify of me. The scriptures testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't testify of the Antichrist. He's in there. A lot of information about him. Goliath is a type of the Antichrist. Pharaoh, when Israel's down in Egypt, he's a type of the Antichrist. Ahithophel, he's a type of the Antichrist. See, there's information about the Antichrist in there. But if the Scriptures testify of the Lord Jesus Christ, what you consuming all your time looking for all this Antichrist stuff about? Search the Scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. I thought the person that we were supposed to be looking for was Jesus, not the Antichrist. Amen. Amen. I said God's honest truth. You're not supposed to be looking for no Antichrist. You're supposed to be looking for Jesus. You're not supposed to be looking for no man of sin. You're supposed to be looking how to get your heart right with God and get the sin out of your life. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe that's what's going on with a lot of this looking for the man of sin. It's because that's who you identify with better than the one that came to save you from your sins. Well, get your heart right with God. Get your heart right with God, and you start looking for the right individual. Search the Scriptures for in them that you think you have eternal life, and there they which testify. They point to me. It's me. It's Jesus. It's me. It's all about Jesus. It's not, it not about the devil. I don't understand why some folks have more of an interest in the devil and demonic things. Ghosts, goblins, the walking dead. You have a problem. That's all there is to it. You just got a problem. You know why people listen to country music? That's what they identify with. You know why people listen to rap? Because they're idiots. But... It's because that's what they identify with. Amen. You know why people listen to rock and roll where they're talking about fornication and shooting dope? That's because that's what they identify with. Amen. Well, let's just talk about the devil and let's talk about haunted houses. Because I know Halloween's coming up. We all love Halloween. You do. I don't. I don't care nothing for Halloween. I'm not saying you're going to hell if you celebrate Halloween. I just said I don't like it. Amen. Don't panic. <laughs> you just can't celebrate Halloween in heaven, that's all. Yes. No, no ghosts up there. People and Jesus. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. That is, that is good preaching. <clears throat> Church the scriptures. Search the scriptures. They, they testify of me. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you opened your Bible and got down on your knees and said, God, I really, really want to know something about you. I really want to understand more of your nature, more, more about Jesus, what I know. 
Lord, I want to know more about you. You loved me so much and you died for my sins. God, I want to know more about you. You won't find anything else out. You can probably look on the news media. Of course, they're not going to tell you the truth. But they certainly got an answer for you. But you know what they ain't got an answer about? They ain't got an answer about Jesus. Oh, did you know that somebody went over there, over on the West Coast, and hit an oil pipeline, and that's why all the gas prices are going so high? I don't know if that's true or not. But I, I do know that gas prices are ridiculous. But you know what? You know what? The news media's got an answer for that. They're probably lying to you. Did you know that? I think it was Uncle Edward, that, my uncle, that told me that there was something going on over there. On the West Coast, I, what I just told you, I think, is what he told me. I don't know. I, I don't keep all that stuff straight. But I thought in the back of my mind, he probably heard that on the news, and they're lying. Yeah. See, so, some of you sitting in here this evening, when you turn on the news, you listen to it, and you try to decipher what's true or not. I don't. I just look at all of it and say, they're lying about all of it. Amen. All of it. Every single major news outlet, even all of the alternative news, 99% of it is all lies. And the part that is true, they pulled out of context. You ain't figured that out by now from way back in the 1970s. 60s and 70s and 80s, watching how the news media ran the Vietnam War. I wasn't even around then. But you just read a little bit and you can see how the news media ran the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a bunch of Americans too dumb to see that 99% of what's coming across that television is a bunch of cotton-picking lies, and yet you'll spend more time with that news media, you'll spend more time in your television set or on your YouTube program than you will in God's book. You know what your problem is? You are backslid. You are backslid. You can soften it up and act like it ain't so. You just backslid. That's all there is to it. I didn't say you was lost. I didn't say you was on your way to hell. But I tell you this, you're carnal. Amen. Merry Christmas. Oh, you may, some of y'all may not celebrate Christmas. I do. I like presents. And so y'all bring them to me. All those presents that somebody bought you and you didn't want them, just bring them over to my house. And if they're for some of y'all ladies, I'll send them to eBay. I'll get money from them. Search the scriptures. Second Timothy chapter 2, he says, study. Study. And he tells you why to study. He says, study to show thyself approved. He doesn't say study to be saved. Let me make something real clear to you. Did you know that if you don't study, you still die and go to heaven? You sure will. Because you're not saved by studying. You're not saved by works. Far as I know, Ephesians chapter 2 is still in the Bible, and it says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift. It's a gift. It is a gift. It's the gift of God, not of works. Don't study. You'll still die and go to heaven if you trusted Christ as your Savior, if you accepted God's gift. But you know what you won't get? You won't get the result of what comes out of study. You say, what's that? Approval. Study to show thyself approved unto God. I'm an approved servant if I study. If I don't study, there's no approval there. 
Salvation, sure. Approval, no. Uh, I was thinking about preaching out of uh, 1, Timothy, or 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'm not going to do that, but I will just run over here right quick and just point this out. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, verse 24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. Obtain what? Well, every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. The people that strive for the mastery, they strive, they're temperate in all things, and they're doing it so that they'll obtain a corruptible crown. But we, an incorruptible. You know what that is? That's a reward. It's not salvation. That's reward. That's just all there is to it. Uh, you, can be, you can be untemperate in some things, Brother Peter. You could be te- untemperate in a lot of places. You could be untemperate in a lot of places in your life. You could be untemperate in every place in your life. Temperance is not what saved you to begin with. What saved you was what Jesus Christ did at Calvary. As far as I know, when Christ hung on Calvary's cross, he said, it's finished. There ain't nothing more to add to salvation. There's something more to add to your life. There's something more to add to your holiness. There's something more to add to your righteousness, but not to your salvation. Amen. Study to show thyself approved. Amen. You don't study, you're not going to go to hell. But boy, you sure are going to be missing out on something that God's got for you. You say, what is that? Approval. That's, that's what I was trying to preach about on Sunday morning when I was talking about Esau, not Esau, Lord have mercy, Cain not being accepted. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There's a lot of folks looking for acceptance from God, but they're not interested in doing what, what's required to be accepted. They're just, not, they're just not interested. Lord, I want you to put your stamp of approval on my life. And God says, well, it's about time that you recognize that I want you to get to the place to where I can. Did you know that God wants to bless people? God wants to bless people. God is not an old man with a big long white beard who looks like Gandalf out of Lord of the Rings who's waiting for you to mess up so, you can, so he can smack you on the head. That's not God. That might be your rendition of God, but that's not the God that I know that sits in heaven and rules over all. That's not God. God wants to bless folks. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, God speaking, he said, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Take no pleasure in those things. Amen. Amen. Lord wants to bless you. Well, get to studying. Get to studying. Get to looking. Get to studying. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman. A workman. You see the first four letters in that word? W O. R-K. God has no room for slouches in his army, in his organism, the church. He has no room for slouches. God's looking for workers. You know, why, why you own a business? Let's say you owned a business and you had five employees, and you had two that were sorry, worthless bums. They showed up and punched a clock. Right? Those are not workmen. But then you got 
Two other guys, they do a pretty good job. They do everything that they're told to do. But then you got one guy who's not only doing everything he's told, but man, he is trying to find anything extra that he can do. Now, when it comes time for promotion, when it comes time for advancement, when it comes time to pick one of these five guys, make sure I got five here. When it comes time to pick one of these five guys out of these three categories to send to a training class so that you can turn around and promote him, which one do you think you're going to pick? You know why God doesn't take his, take his truth and dish it out to just everybody? Because some people don't want it. They're not working with what they got. That's just the God's honest truth. Why, why can I not see this? You witnessed anybody this week? You read your Bible this week? Nothing in the Bible says you've got to pass out gospel tracts. Well, that's a way you can get a door open and start witnessing somebody. Pass out any gospel tracts this week? Well, I mean. You prayed for anybody this week other than yourself, over, other than over your meals? Lord, I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. <laughs> Lord, bless this T-bone steak in Jesus' name. Amen. What did that account for this week? I mean, just Sunday through Wednesday. But, yeah, we'll give you Sunday just so that we got some extra padding in there. What did all those prayers account for? Praying over your meals, maybe praying before you go to bed. What did that account for? Maybe five minutes? I don't pray very long before I get ready to eat. And I get kind of angry. I get kind of upset about people that do pray very long before we're getting ready to eat. Before it's time to eat, now is not time to pray for all the missionaries. Not time. Now is not time to go through your church prayer list and pray for everybody that's in the church. Pray God bless the food so I don't choke while I'm enjoying it. And let's get on with what we're here for. Family altar is later, not at the dinner table. Thank you. That was perfect spot for that. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's right. How did I even get on all that? Oh, yeah. You working at all? Are you working at all? Are you doing anything for the Lord? Or is it all about you? Well, maybe a lack of understanding just comes from the fact that you ain't taking what you already understand and putting it in, into, into work, into labor. Boy, I tried to witness to somebody not too long ago, Brother Pedro, and as soon as I opened my mouth, I felt like I was throwing up spaghetti noodles. Nothing. Sorry for the mental image. But nothing came out right. Boy, it just, oh. I walked away from it saying, man, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, what, you know what needs to happen? Just witness more. You get more versed into it. You get more familiar with what needs to be said. You get more familiar with whether or not somebody's looking at you and lying when they say, oh, yeah, I'm saved. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you are. You smell like beer. Maybe you are. Boy, you don't smell like it is all I got to say. That's right. That's right. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we'll come to that here in just a second. Maybe not even this evening. Maybe we'll hit it next, 
next service whenever the Lord leads. But we'll see. We'll see. Because I still got two hours left. So we'll, we'll, we'll see here in just a second. I know I just killed every bit of the liberty that I had, but that's okay. There's a command to study. You say, how do I study the Bible? Well, first of all, read it. Read it. Very foolish to try and study a textbook that you've never even read before. Just read. You know what a lot of people do? They skip from passage to passage. When I first got saved, I say when I first got saved, when I first got called to preach, I, I surrendered to preach when I was 12 years old, and I had never read my Bible all the way through. Never read my Bible all the way through at 12 years old. So I started reading I think three chapters a day, Brother Pedro, just something real small. Took me forever, and I wasn't very faithful. I think I got through it probably in about two years. I don't recommend that, but that's what I did. But you know what I was doing to try to supplement all of that stuff that I was lacking? I'd get some biblical books. I'll get some books about biblical subjects, and I'll supplement my knowledge by looking at all this stuff. You know what I found out? If I didn't have enough character to read God's book, I sure didn't have enough character to read them commentaries. I got a commentary sitting in my office. I got several commentaries sitting in my office. You see how thick my Bible is? That commentary is about that thick. If you think I ain't going to read this one, I sure ain't going to read that commentary. You say, oh, the words are just so hard to understand. Which words? Which words? The, thou, ye, you. They make something called a dictionary that will help you with those things. Do you know what a crisping pen is? A crisping pen is what a woman puts in her hair to make curls. It's in the book of Isaiah. It's either that or wrap your tortillas around them. I don't know what you're talking about. Gotta. Lois made me feel real good about laughing so hard about that. But, but just that's not in the dictionary, I'll have you know. But you can figure out stuff just by looking at the context. Woman painted her face and tired her head. She put makeup on and fixed her hair. What words are so hard to understand? They're not hard to understand. Just put some effort forth. Act like you're actually going to get something out of it. God might show you something. Read it. Read it. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth. Blessed is he that readeth. Oh, I want to understand the whole book of Revelation. I do too. There's a lot of stuff in there I don't understand. Some of it's pretty wild. But I know how you're not going to understand it. Don't read it. You're cutting yourself. God said, blessed is he that readeth. Blessed is he that readeth. Just read, man. Just read. You say, what happens when I get done? Read it again. You say, but it took me so long to get through it this time. Well, add an extra 15 pages on and read it again. Amen. Amen. That's true. Do what you got to do, man. Approach this thing like it's something to be conquered. Quit pussyfooting around. Quit whining like a little girl, even if you are a little girl, but quit whining like one and read. Just read. If you don't want to read, then don't whine to the Lord when you don't understand something. I'm amazed, Brother Chris, I'm amazed that there's a lot of things in the Bible that I believe would be cleared up if people would read their Bible cover to cover, 
cover to cover, cover to cover, and never stop. Brother Nathan, I'm, I'm a slow reader. I'm going to step out on a limb, but I'm not going to fret about it, okay? So I'm going to just say this. You have to get over it if it makes you mad. It takes me about an hour. If I'm reading slow, it takes me about an hour to make it through 20 pages. I don't read by chapters. I read by pages. It takes me about an hour to read through 20 pages, reading slow. Some books I have to read slower than others. Isaiah, I don't know why, but I have to read real slow through Isaiah. Ezekiel, pretty slow. Matthew, I can handle that pretty fast. Some books I have to read slower. But if I make it through 20 pages in an hour, I think I did the math the other day, and it lines up to something about 70 hours. 70 hours reading through your whole Bible cover to cover. You know what that means? If you spend an hour a day, and I'm not telling you to do this, you have to figure this out with the Lord. But what I'm telling you is if you spend an hour a day reading your Bible, every 70 days you'd make it through your Bible cover to cover. Even with my math skills, if it was 80 hours or 90 hours, you see how many times in a year you can get through your Bible? I just don't have time to read my Bible. <clears throat> I almost said something really not nice there. It's just not true. It's just not true. You got time. Double it. Cut your time in half, 30 minutes a day. Now you got to double the amount of time. If it's 80 hours, if I was wrong on my math, if it's 80 hours, 160 hours. That's 80 times 2, right? 160. Make sure I'm still right about that. 160. Yes, sir. I hope that's conviction. I hope that's not anger. But if it is, you get over it. Amen. Blessed is he that readeth. Deuteronomy chapter 17 tells the children of Israel, they said, it, Moses was telling them in the book of Deuteronomy, he said, one of these days, one of these days, he said, you're going to have a king. And he said, what that king needs to do is he needs to get him the scriptures, which would be, at that time, Genesis to Deuteronomy. And he said he needs to take those scriptures and he's going to copy out of the scriptures all the words of this law. He's going to copy it. You better get to typing, buddy. You want a copy of the scripture? You better start writing. He's going to copy out of, out of the book all the words of this law. And then he's going to turn around and he's going to read it out of them all the days of his life. Deuteronomy 17. You don't believe me? Go look at it. I've heard some morons say, there's no commandment in the Bible for you to read the Bible. Horse manure. It's all throughout the scriptures. How about Psalm 119? It's in there more than once. David said, I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to think on it. I know, you're just too busy. You're too busy. Mm-hmm. Listen, don't talk about a book. Don't talk about a book if you ain't got guts enough to read it. Don't try to explain something to somebody out of God's Word if you ain't got enough discipline to read it in the first place. I do not explain to anybody about how to put a car together because I don't like reading Chilton's and Haynes manuals. They even have pictures, but I despise them. I just don't like them. 
Some of y'all don't even know what that is. That's the book you get from AutoZone and Advanced Auto and O'Reilly's. Tells you how to take things apart and put them back together. I know none of you fellas would say amen about that because you ain't going to take direction from nobody. Amen? Well, that was my best shot. I, I tried to get you involved in the sermon. But I don't, because of that, because I have no interest in cars, I don't try to talk to people about how to explain vehicles or how to, how to take vehicles apart and put them back together. I leave that to people like Brother Clint. Amen. He enjoys that thing. He, he reads that stuff or he makes a mess and figures out not to do that the next time. Whatever the case may be. Well, listen, why in, why in God's name are you going to try and talk to somebody about spiritual things when you don't even have enough of a spiritual appetite to open God's book on a daily basis and read for yourself what it says? That's not, that's not a statement to shut your mouth. That's a statement to read. That's a statement that you need to get busy doing what you're supposed to be doing. That was encouragement, whether you believe it or not. David said, I don't exercise myself in matters too high for me. He said, there's just some things that are beyond me. It's very possible biblical things are just beyond some folks, not because God wants it that way, but because you're just too lazy to open the book and read. I'm, for what it's worth, for what it's worth, I really don't have a whole lot of patience with folks that spend more time watching videos on the Internet and they don't read their Bible. And then a preacher stand up and preach something and preach for years. Well, I just, I don't understand. I just don't see it. Well, okay. I don't know what to tell you. You know what I believe? I believe a lot of folks have got the idea. A lot of folks have got the idea that it's a preacher's responsibility to make them understand the Bible. And it ain't. It's not the preacher's responsibility. It is the preacher's responsibility to study. It is the preacher's responsibility to get in his prayer closet and get in his Bible and cry out to God the same way that I was explaining to you that you're supposed to. That is a preacher's responsibility. Preacher's responsibility is to come to the pulpit locked and loaded, ready to preach about things, regardless of who thinks what needs to be preached about. Don't make no, it don't make a hill's beans worth a difference. Just don't matter. Preacher's responsibility is to take his word from God not from the congregation. Amen. That's right. And so when a preacher comes up and he preaches, when a preacher comes up and he teaches, if there's a disconnect between the preacher and the congregation or the preacher and an individual, I mean, so long as that, him and that individual ain't fighting, I'm not really sure if maybe it ain't, it's the Lord trying to do something in your mind. That's very possible. That's very possible. You read the Bible. Read the Bible. Don't just read books about the Bible or biblical subjects. I want to understand how to put my family together. I tell you, get right with God. Yeah. Brother Nathan, I've got, I've got a wayward son, and I'm really concerned about him. Okay? How about you quit being wayward? Yeah. He probably learned it from you. Yeah. Amen. Believe what you read. Believe what you read. Look in Isaiah chapter 66 very quickly. Because I know you're probably about out of gas. But it's okay. You'll manage. And if not, I think Miss Callie's got a bottle back there in the nursery. Amen. All right. Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66. 
The Lord said in verse 1, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven's my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where's the house that ye will build unto me? Where's the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. God said, I put all those things there. I made them all. What, what are you going to make for me? You know what you're supposed to walk away from that statement with? You're supposed to walk away with a statement of how great and how mighty your God is. And then he says this. He says, but to this man will I look. Now God, the creator of the universe, is getting ready to tell you what kind of man God will look to. To this man will I look, even to him that's of a poor and contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. That's the man that God looks to. That's the man that God looks to. Not somebody that takes his Bible. And I'm not just saying this in the real sense. I'm, I'm talking about in a figure of speech, although I don't recommend you do this with your Bible. Talking about, I'm not, God doesn't look to the guy who comes to church on Sunday and follows along with the preacher and then takes his Bible and throws it up there in the dash of his truck and doesn't visit it anymore during the week. God, don't look to that man. I didn't say he was lost. I didn't say he was going to go to hell. All I said is God's not looking your direction. Lord, I can't get any prayers answered. God, why are you not answering my prayers? It could be because you're not reading enough Bible. It could be because your attitude's not right towards the Bible that you are reading. Absolutely. Absolutely. A man that stops his ears at the cry of the poor, he's going to cry himself one day and he's not going to be heard. Works the same way with God's law. You stop your ears at God's law. It might just, turn, it might just stand to reason that when somebody hears you give a law, they're going to stop their ears too. God said in Psalm chapter 50, he said, What right, what right do you have to take your law into my lips, or take, your, take my law into your lips, seeing thou, takes, thou takest my instruction and cast it behind your back? God said, I've dealt with you over and over again. God said, I'm trying to deal with you about stuff, and you're sitting here trying to tell somebody about things. You're trying to sit here and explain something to somebody. You're sitting here trying to tell somebody how they can know their sins are forgiven. Yet I'm dealing with you, and you ain't listening. That's a God's honest truth, my friend. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's where the power of People's Baptist Church has gone away. Maybe the problem in People's Baptist Church, why we ain't seeing nobody saved, is because we got a bunch of folks sitting in here that's just got hard hearts. Hard hearts. Preacher, stand up and say something. God come by and convict you in the stillness of the night. Oh, that's not me. God said, okay, okay, next time you try to go invite somebody to church, next time you try to go tell somebody that Jesus loved them and died for their sins, let's see how far you get, hotshot. You don't need my conviction. Obviously, you don't need my power, neither. Do it yourself. Do it yourself. Which I'll just hang out here for just a second. Some of you need to get concerned about lost folks. You're cold. You are cold. Brother Nathan, we just came through revival. I know. I know. But you're still cold. You're cold when it comes to seeing people saved. You're cold to seeing people get right with God. Some of y'all got neighbors sitting right in here this evening. You got neighbors that you ain't never said anything to about the Lord Jesus Christ. You ain't never said nothing to them about the Lord. Well, 
I mean, the Lord said, go, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, Brother Nathan, we all like in that. So I guess that justifies it then, huh? Sure don't justify it, especially when the Lord comes knocking on your door. I don't live in your skin. I don't know how often God deals with you about that stuff, but I know it's still in God's book, and it's still right. It still says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And would to God some of you would get interested in that like you're interested in a bunch of other stuff that's in that book. That's why you board at church. That's why, that's why things around people's Baptist church just don't hold its vigor no more. It ain't because of the preacher. It ain't because of the building. It ain't because the building needs a new roof. It ain't because the building's got a leak sitting right here, which it ain't leaked ever since it done that. But it ain't because of that. It's because you cold, you backslid, you as carnal as hell is your problem. Sit in the privacy of your own home drinking iced tea. Forgetting about the fact that there's people that you come into contact, contact with on a daily basis that are lost and on their way to hell, and they're just going along their jolly dear way, and you ain't said nothing to them? Man, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. That's true. That's true. You approach the Bible with an agenda, you're going to find it. You are going to find that agenda. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directed his steps. You have it in your heart that something's true, God will send you a lie so that you'll be deceived by that. It's going to happen in the tribulation. It's going to happen in the tribulation. That's what 2 Thessalonians is all about. These folks wouldn't receive the love of the truth, which I received the love of the truth. I received the love of the truth. I want to love the truth. So I received it. <clears throat> they wouldn't receive the love of the truth, so God sent them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Isaiah chapter 66, where we are, he that, verse 3, he that killeth an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrificeth a lamb is as if he cut off a dog's neck. Boy, that's pretty bad. He that offer an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. He that burneth incense as if he blessed an idol. Yea, yea, they've chosen their own ways and their soul delighteth in their abominations. I also will choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. You ever called somebody? I called somebody this past week on the landline and here. Called it, and for the first time in a long time, I got a busy signal. Usually it rings anyway, but I called somebody else's landline, and it said, burp, burp, burp. You know, when God calls a lot of Christians, you know what he gets? The line's busy. Sorry, Lord, hang on just a second. I'll get right to you. I'm a little tied up with what I got going on right now. Yes, sir. If you lose your salvation, you'd have lost it, my friend. You'd have lost your salvation. I'm just a little bit tied up, Lord. I just got a lot of stuff going on in my life right now. As soon as I get this straightened out, I get all this stuff taken care of, and Lord, I'll be right with you. God said, no, that's okay. Because you, because you didn't call when I answered, God said, I'll send you a lie, and you'll believe it. You'll take it hook, line, and sinker. You say, what kind of lies are you talking about? Put your hand on the screen and feel the anointing of the Lord. I mean, come on, really, really. Doesn't that just sound ridiculous? You have got to have something going on up here or in here that'll make you believe that there's something to that. Walk away in the same kind of debt while that guy walks away with your $100 that you just sent him as a faith seed promise, whatever that stuff is. 
You say, what's going on? You say, you don't believe that those are victims? No, sir, I believe those are people. I believe large part those are folks who would not receive the love of the truth. And God said, you don't want the truth? I'll send you a great delusion. You'll believe it. You'll believe this lie. Yes, sir. Preached several messages about that here in this church, but it's true. Nonetheless, Micaiah is one of the finest examples of that. Ahab and Jehoshaphat dealing with Micaiah. Go up, God's going to deliver you. Ahab knew that he was lying. Didn't I tell you, you never prophesied anything good about me? Well, dude, he just told you to go up. Isn't that pretty good? Ahab knew it wasn't right. Ahab knew it wasn't true. Micaiah tells the whole story. Hey, I was, had a vision, and I saw that here's the Lord standing around saying, Israel's like sheep with no shepherd. And he said, he looks around at the whole host of heaven and says, who's going to go down and deceive Ahab that he'll go up into battle and be slain? Oh, God wouldn't do that. You never read your Bible. I know you think God wouldn't do that. That's because you don't read the Bible. You watch YouTube. Who's going to deceive him so he'll go up and be slain in battle? A spirit walks forward and says, I'll do it. How are you going to do it? He said, I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets. He said, I'll cause that guy to get up there behind the pulpit and say something that ain't true. Well, I tell you what, Brother Tommy, I've walked away from this pulpit many times with walking away saying, oh, my soul, I can't believe I said that. That was so stupid. I kind of wonder, if, that is no excuse for saying something stupid. That's no excuse for saying something that's incorrect. But I kind of wonder if the Lord did that to throw a loop for somebody that was sitting in here. Walk away, get in my office, and think about what I said, and I know it's not right. I can go right to the Scriptures Prove it to myself. I know exactly what I'm trying to say. I knew exactly what the truth was as soon as I got away from the pulpit. What's going on? You ever been in an argument with somebody? <laughs> Get away from them, man. Open your Bible and just say, well, there it is. Makes me wonder. Makes, makes me wonder. Believe what you read. Believe what you read. And then let me say this, because I know it's been long. You'll be all right. Obey. Obey. Do it. Do it. Look over in Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. You know what the problem with a lot of folks is? They want the truth. They just don't want the life that's associated with it. You say, what is it? Godliness. It's godliness. Brother Nathan, I really want to know the truth. Do you? Well, what happens when God shows it to you? You're going to go after it? You're going to live according to it? Hook, line, and sinker? Because now if God shows you something, now you're accountable. You can sit where you're at right now, not knowing. Really, I mean this with all my heart, not knowing. And God will be very merciful to you because you're just ignorant. But the moment that the truth comes roaring through, and you sit there and say, oh, that ain't true. Okay. I mean, what's a preacher going to do, pull out a pistol and shoot you? <laughs> Weapons of warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What happens? 
I just, I don't want that life. I don't want to live that life. Let me, let me see here. First, first Timothy chapter six. Boy, this is a wild passage. First Timothy chapter six. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. See who he's talking about? Servants and masters. Count your masters worthy of all honor if you're a servant. The Bible says borrow a servant to a lender. That's your master. Anyways, that might be my Sunday school lesson on Sunday, but we'll see. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, if he's saved, let them not despise them because they're brethren. But rather do them service because they're faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort. Now, if any man teach otherwise. Mm, anybody been teaching otherwise? Teaching that because you're saved now you're supposed to be set free? Let me just pause here for just a second. Sarah dealt hardly with Hagar. She ran. An angel came out there and said, what you doing out here? She said, I'm fleeing from the face of my mistress. She's dealing hardly with me. You know what he said? He said, well, you deserve to be free. No, sir. He said, go back and submit yourself under her hand. I'll take that little boy that you're with child with, and I'll make of him a great nation. Now, they've been fighting with the Jews ever since, but God kept his word. Philemon and Onesimus. Philemon's saved. Onesimus gets saved. Paul leads him to Christ. And he says, well, you deserve to be free now. <laughs> you ain't going to hear this on Black Lives Matter. But it don't make no difference. It's Bible. He told him, he said, he wrote to Philemon and he said, listen. He said, I wanted to keep this guy here. He said, but without your mind, I wouldn't do anything. So I'm sending you back to him. And he said, if he owes you anything, put it on my account. He said, you, he said I'm sending him back and you could receive him as a servant. Do that. He said, but receive him as a brother as well. If any man teach otherwise and consent not, you know what that is? Well, now you're saved. You don't have any rules. Now you're saved. You can do whatever you want to. Now you're saved. You don't have to listen to your husband. You don't have to listen to your boss, man. It's a rebellion against authority because you're saved now. If any man teach otherwise. Mm-hmm. A lot of that going on. We're under grace. And consent not the wholesome words, even the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine, and to the doctrine, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. He's proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. Supposing that gain is godliness. Gain of what? Anything. The more I have, the more spiritual I must be. You're an idiot. You are, you are, according to the text, spiritually perverted. I got more money than you got, so I must be spiritual. No, the Bible says it's going to be real hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, in the context in which he said that, that meant something pretty severe. Don't mean that same thing for you. But I will say this. Paul said, Romans chapter 
13, 14, I believe it is, Paul made the statement. He said the, the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. I got a lot of money. I must be spiritual. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. A lot of money don't make you spiritual. Evidence of your spirituality is manifest in how much righteousness you have in your life and joy and peace. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it's a kingdom. It only gets there by submission. Submission. Yes, sir. The thing that's going to hinder you is grasping in the dark for the truth but unwilling to embrace the life that's associated with a life of godliness. You're going to reach out there and try and grab a hold of that truth. And when you get a hold of it, when God gives you the mercy and the grace to let you see it, it's going to turn the light on and you're going to go, oh, my soul. And you're going to have to be willing to change or you're going to have to be willing to be obedient in some way or another. And if you don't, if you don't, you're not going to go to hell. But I will tell you, it's going to be a hard road to hoe. It's going to be a hard road to hoe. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God desires truth in the inward parts. He's not just looking for conforming on the outside. God desires truth on the inward parts. James chapter 1, I read this to you and we'll close. James chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. It's a word that gets engrafted. There's a hole that has to be cut out and God takes that word and puts it in. Nathan, I, man, I'm having a hard time understanding such and such. Well, first of all, study. But I'll tell you how to study. You read and believe what you read. Approach God with the right attitude. Approach with belief. You know God deals with believers. God don't deal with unbelievers. God presents you with the truth. And if you approach it with the attitude of a skeptic, God shrugs his shoulders and says, well, I gave it to you. God's merciful. He might give it to you again. Thank God. God knows I didn't take everything that God tried to show me the first time it came around. A lot of things have come across that pulpit I've said. I don't know about that. Thank God God didn't just cast me off and leave me alone about that stuff. Amen. Believe what you read and then obey. Obey. Amen. How do we study? That's how you study. Amen. Pray. God. Proverbs chapter 2. God, I want to know. I want to know. And I tell you what. Let me just be very realistic with you. I've worked a job before. I know what that's like. I have worked a job before. I've been a preacher. I've done those things. I had to get up 6 o'clock in the morning, start getting ready for work. Lord, have mercy. Some of the most trying times in my life. But I tell you this. <clears throat> I learned more getting up in the morning, bowing my head, and saying, Lord, help me, and opening my Bible and just being faithful to read what God dealt with me about how much Bible I should read. I have a certain amount that I try to read every day, and I try to be faithful to it. Boy, I'm not always faithful. God's very merciful. Amen. Boy, it's a miracle, Brother Pedro, to watch how merciful God's been with me when I haven't been obedient. Amen. Thank God. But God showed me more by just getting up in the morning and cracking open His Word and saying, God, I'm tired. I would much rather have spent this next however long. I won't tell you how long I spent. I'd much rather spend this time in bed, but God, I believe this is right. I can't tell you how many times I've got up in the morning and done that and not got a single thing. Nothing. A big fat goose egg. And then go for a week and the next week I couldn't even read everything that the Lord dealt with me about because every time, every sentence that I read getting stuff and man just writing it in the margin of my Bible. Man, 
What is this? Hang on, hang on. I got to get about four pins. God could never, God could never do that with me. You don't know the God that you're dealing with. You don't know the God that you're dealing with. God's not trying to put the blinders over your eyes because he hates you. God's trying to deal with you. He's chasing you, trying to get you. Hey, man, come on. Let's go. This is what you're supposed to be doing. This is the life of a Christian. Do you love him? Do you love him? Listen, do you love him? It'll make it a lot easier. It'll make it a lot easier to get up in the morning or, or pull aside at night. What, whatever, man. I'm not trying to lord over your life. I don't know how things work between you and the Lord as far as your personal relationship with God goes. Everybody's different. But I'm telling you, it's right to read, and it's right to believe, and it's right to obey. That applies to everybody. He said, Brother Nathan, I'm already reading. Well, how about considering adding on a couple of chapters? You've been reading, you start reading. Listen, you start reading right now. Maybe you'll find out that five chapters is sufficient for you. How old are you? Okay. You find out that, I don't know, I'm not asking because it makes no difference to me it's been between you and the Lord. You read five chapters right now, let's say, at 13 years old, and you'll find out when you get 30, that ain't enough. This flesh don't get nicer. This flesh gets more carnal. It gets tougher to deal with the things. Where we're at in America right now in this world, God have mercy when you turn 30. You say, how are you going to deal with it? The same way our ancestors dealt with it. It's a well of pure water when I'm thirsty and dry. And bread when I'm hungry and worn. It's a battle raging. When the battle is raging, it's my faithful sword. A shelter from life's troubled storm. It's a light for my pathway and a lamp to my feet. When the world gets so dark you can't see. I've not made a change in one word that it said, but it sure made a change in me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Lord, help us tonight, God. We thank you for your goodness to us. God, thank you for a Bible. God, thank you for a book, God, whereby we can know what's on your heart and what's on your mind. God, I pray you help us, God, Lord, to dedicate ourselves tonight. God, dedicate ourselves afresh. God, I pray you'd speak to us. Help us, God, to purpose in our hearts, God, Lord, to spend some time with you this week, next week, a week after. God, among the hustle and bustle, God, we're not too busy where we can't spend time with you. God, help us, Lord, we pray. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Some folks have come. God spoke to your heart. Why don't you come tonight? Why don't you come? Come on.